0: on this episode of the grizz podcast i talk a little bit about colorado football because the prime time train is still rolling and i'm loving it real excited about it i also talk about a missing f-35 fighter jet and that leads into talking about government cover-ups media propaganda and the ushering in of end time events dude it's going to be a good one so here we go We're here to guide, encourage, and equip you on your journey with Christ. Now, here's your host, the 80s karaoke legend, Jason George. Mm, Drop! Dude, I am the 80s karaoke legend. That is a true statement. And, uh, you know, it's been a while, dude. It's been a while since I dropped some 80s karaoke and really blessed you guys. I had a listener tell me a couple weeks ago, he's like, man... You got some good content that I really want to share with some friends, but, you know, I got to tell them, like, they got to get past, like, the beginning of these episodes where you're just going off singing, doing 80s karaoke. He's like, man, it's horrible. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, horrible. I'm like, dude, that's the best part. Like, that's the most meaningful. That is what has truly changed people's lives for eternity right there. Yeah, so, man, I'm looking through my 80s playlist. What am I going to bless you with this morning? Man, oh, dude, this takes me back to when I was a kid. Before MTV, there was something called Friday Night Videos. There was no MTV. Music videos were a new thing. And I'm going way back, dude. And this is real early 80s. And this band came on with their music video that was just stellar dude it was amazing talking about of course duran duran dude one of my favorite 80s bands i know so many of their songs by heart this was the music video that came on oh man this song still just does it for me Back in the city, night is a wire. in the subway, earth is a fire. Do, 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 Come on. Woman, you want from me, give me a sign. You catch my breathing even closer behind. do. to the ground I'm on the hunt I'm after you You smell like a sound I'm lost in a crowd Thing that would be better is if it was hungry like the Grizz. That's how they should have wrote the lyrics, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, man. Ah, uh, I need that. Where's my coffee? Come here. Come here. Come to daddy. Uh, what is going down on my brothers from other mothers? If you're new to the podcast, um, I probably just freaked you out. That's okay, man. This is uh, not your typical Christian podcast. I will not allow it to be that. I am bored with most Christian podcasts, so I do my best to make this one not boring. All right. (sighs) Glad you guys are here with me. I apologize for missing an episode last week. Honestly, I feel like I had nothing to say. I just was really overwhelmed with my health struggles. It gets to me sometimes. It messes with me, dude. It puts me in a freaking negative funk fest. And I thought it was best not to get on the microphone when I'm in the middle of a negative funk fest. Cause I don't want to spread the negative funk fest around the world. Um, what else is going down anyway? Oh yeah. Yeah. Since last episode, Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes have moved from 1-0 and to 3-0. and So far, they've beaten TCU, Nebraska, and Colorado State. Stayed up way past my bedtime on Saturday to watch the Colorado State game. And man, that game was an all-out war. Earlier in the week before that game, the Colorado State coach made some comment about Dion, how he's always wearing a hat and sunglasses, and he said something like, you know, my mama taught me to take those off when I'm talking to an adult. And Dion was like, say what, dude? He took that as disrespectful um, towards his mom and the way his mom raised him. And so he brought his mom in to meet with his team. I think it was before the game. And he gave her the mic and she was just like, I did raise him right. And I also told him that when it was time to go kick ass, to kick ass, she says, that's funny. You got to look it up, listen to it. So uh, it made it personal. He told his team, you know, All right, it's personal. It's personal. That's what they've been saying. And so during the warmups, before the game, before anyone was even in pads, words were exchanged between the two teams. There was some shoving. A huge fight was about to break out. I get an alert on my ESPN app, and I see it, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm oh, this is going to be a good game. And I give props to Colorado State, man, because they came to win. They were no pushover. They were playing like it was the last game of their life. And at halftime, the Buffs were down 21 to 14. But then they made their way back. They tied it up at the end of the game. The game went into double overtime, and the Buffs came out with the win 43 to 35. The game ended like at 2 30 a.m. I was exhausted but glad i stayed up to see some epic football big grizzly growl goes out to coach primetime and the colorado buffs for being 3 and 0 this week they got oregon it's the buffs versus the ducks so big grizzly growl going out to them man <laughs> What else is going down lately? Two days ago, a F-35 stealth fighter jet went down here in South Carolina. True story. Apparently, the pilot ejected in time and all is safe with him. But then the military couldn't find the plane and they were asking the public for help locating it. Again, true story. Not, I'm not making this up. All the government said was that this incident occurred due to a mishap. I was like, a mishap? Like, What the heck are you talking about, man? A mishap, like a mishap to me is when the pilot is on his way to work and he spills this coffee all over like his outfit. And he's like, yeah, man, I got to go fly. But I spilled coffee. I'm got coffee on me. My clothes are wet. Like that's a mishap. Dude, a mishap. It's not a mishap. When a U.S. fighter pilot has to eject out of his plane over South Carolina and then the plane goes down in the swamplands and the government can't find it. That fighter jet, the F-35 stealth fighter, that jet cost $100 million. That is not a mishap. This whole thing smells fishy to me. I'm being serious. It really does. I'm like, once again, I'm like, what is really going on? What is really going on? What is really going on? I have that question for so many things going on with our government, the border, global warming, the fire in Maui, the war in Ukraine. What is really going on? The, the aliens that they have found. The remains of aliens. What is really going on? So many lies. So much media propaganda. And we all know it. Well, most of us do. You know what they want? They want us to stay stuck in the Matrix. The Matrix. You remember the old movie The Matrix with Neo and Morpheus? And how... People were not living in reality. They were living in a false reality. They were living in a computer programmed reality. Their minds had been taken over. And there were some who escaped that. And when they saw what reality was really like, it was sickening. It was like, are you kidding? Like there's, and what they woke up to is that there's a war taking place. There's a battle taking place for control over the minds of humanity. Mm, man, did that movie resonate with me? I bet I've watched it thirty times. I have taught many lessons and uh, use clips from that movie when I would speak at youth and youth camps and college retreats and things like that. Um, I just got so many questions, so many lies. They want us to stay stuck in the matrix. They don't want us to know what's really going on, but I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you that some of you, you know it, you see it too. There's some crazy stuff going on behind the scenes with various power players around the world, power players. And who knows who all of them are? what their connections are, their secret meetings. We know who's ultimately behind all of it. Ephesians 6.12. You know what I'm saying. It talks about the rulers, the authorities, the world forces of this darkness, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's the enemy. Ultimately, it's Satan and his army of demons are working behind the scenes. They're working a master plan. They're trying to position pieces on the chessboard. For what? What are they trying to do? They are trying to usher in a one world government with a one world leader, with a one world religion, with a one world currency system. That's what they're moving towards. The Bible has prophesied about All of this. If you say you believe the Bible, then you believe this. This is what is going to go down. The Bible has prophesied this. And I believe we're close to it coming to pass. Let me grab a sip of my coffee, man. I am worked up. What is really going on, man? You know, the next big biblical event On God's timeline, the next big biblical event that's going to go down and is going to launch all of this, the one world government with a one world leader, with a one world religion, with a one world currency system, system, the next big biblical event that is imminent, that is going to happen soon, sooner than I believe we realize is the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Listen to it. Paul says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep or dead. We don't want you to be uninformed about those who are dead, who have died, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, amen, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Man, the rapture is supposed to comfort us. When we talk about it, when we think about it, it should make us feel like, yes, praise God. Can't wait. Bring it. The rapture, it is going to be this event, this global event where all believers in Christ will not just spiritually, but bodily, physically, they will go and meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds. That's what we just read. And they will be gone from this world to be with the Lord forever. There's going to be a mass disappearance worldwide of people. And it's going to be all those who are true Christians. They're gone. That's the rapture. This will happen. Every single thing God has promised what happened has happened. So we know that those promises that he's made that have not been fulfilled yet, they're going to happen. You know why? Because God has a perfect track record. He keeps his word. He's honest, he's true, he never fails, he always comes through. Nothing else in Bible prophecy needs to happen first in order for this to happen, the rapture. Nothing else. We're not waiting for anything else to go down so that this can be ushered in. It is imminent. Right now, in 2023, we are on the precipice of this event. Christ could rapture his church at any moment. It could happen today. And if it does, I am good with that. Do I want more people to get saved first? Yes, but maybe just maybe the rapture of the church is what they need to wake them up. I don't know. Then what happens next? Well, The rapture of the church will then launch what's called the seven year tribulation period. The Bible talks about this. And I realize that some of uh, the way you may view the timeline could be a little different than the way I do. That's fine. But I'm just telling you what I'm about to share with you. This is biblical. These events will take place. Maybe. This certain event goes before this one. Maybe I got that part wrong. That's fine. But I'm telling you, everything I'm about to share with you, it's biblical. After the rapture of the church, as I said, the seven-year tribulation period is has begun. And there will be a peace agreement that's going to be signed between the Antichrist and Israel. The Antichrist will be this leader that comes to power Daniel 9 27 prophesies about this peace agreement then there's going to be a great military invasion against Israel by countries like Iran Sudan Turkey Russia this is prophesied in Ezekiel 38 and 39 and by this time the Jewish temple in Jerusalem will be rebuilt and they'll be going back to the sacrificial system. And then at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation, some crazy stuff goes down. Apparently this antichrist figure, this one world leader figure, it looks as if he dies and then resurrects from the dead. But I don't believe it's the real deal resurrection. I believe it's some sort of fake sign, wonders, miracle, propaganda. But this happens at the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years into it. And then after the Antichrist does this, he will declare himself not to just be the one world human leader. He would declare himself to be God and he will sit on the throne in the temple, in Jerusalem. And the last half of the seven-year tribulation is going to be worse than the first. The Antichrist will lead the world and there will be a false prophet with him. It'll be his religious leader, his type of pope, in a sense. I'm not saying it's the pope, but it'll be something like that. He's the false prophet, and he'll perform signs and wonders to get people to worship the Antichrist. And the false prophet has the authority to have this one world government kill those who will not worship the Antichrist. The mark of the beast will be given to all of those who follow The Antichrist, this one world leader, this one world religion, this one world government. And if you don't have it, let me grab a sip of my coffee. If you don't have the Mark of the Beast, that's bad news. Because you won't be able to buy, sell, trade. You won't be able to function in society. They're going to shut you down. You don't have access to anything. This didn't make sense in some ways back in the day when I was a kid, you know. In the late 70s and 80s when I would hear about this. All makes perfect sense now with technology, with cell phones, maybe an implant, some kind of chip. The government's already tracking us. If they want to find you, they know where you're at at any time. They could listen to you if they wanted from your device. They could watch you if they wanted. But if you don't accept this mark of the beast, you're done. They could shut your bank account down. You won't be able to go in a store, get anything you need. You won't be able to get fuel for your vehicle, nothing. In this last three and a half years, this is going to be a brutal time. Of intense persecution against Jews and against those who've become followers of Christ during the tribulation. Because remember, followers of Christ have been raptured. All the true Christians have been raptured at the beginning of the tribulation, before the tribulation began. That's what ushers in the tribulation. But there will be people who get saved during the tribulation. People who will get access to scripture, maybe some sermons, maybe they'll listen to a old podcast episode like this one and it'll wake them up and they'll go, man, this is what's really going on. This is what's happening right now in our world. I need to be saved. I need to place my faith, my heart faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my only hope. And then the seven year tribulation It'll come to a conclusion with the great battle of Armageddon. Armies from around the world will gather together at a place called Megiddo in northern Israel before launching a huge attack against Jerusalem. And this is when the second coming of Christ to earth will occur. You see, the rapture is not the second coming of Christ. People confuse that. He doesn't come back to earth. He meets us in the clouds. And it happens in the moment, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. And the Lord and his people are gone. But at the end of the seven-year tribulation, there's the great battle of Armageddon. Armies from around the world are going to gather together. They're going to launch a huge attack against Jerusalem. And this is when the second coming of Christ to earth will occur. But this time, when he comes, he will not be the humble, peaceful servant riding a lowly donkey. No, no. This time, the warrior king, the warrior king of kings is on a white horse with his army behind him. And fire in his eyes. And a sword coming out of his mouth. Let me read it for you. Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through 21. Then I saw heaven opened. And behold a white horse. And he who sits on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems having a name written on him which no one knows except himself, and being clothed with a garment dipped in blood, his name is also called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the wrath of the rage of God the Almighty. And he has on his garment and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders, and the flesh of strong men, and the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves, and all small and great. And then I saw the beast, and the kings of the earth, and their armies assembled to make war with him who sits on the horse and with his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet, who did the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sits on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. This is the second coming of Christ to earth at the Battle of Armageddon. the warrior king, on a white horse, ready to do battle. And it won't even be a battle. Not one bit of a struggle for the king of kings and lord of lords. He ends the rule of Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet. He ends it. He ends all the deception. And they are cast into the lake of fire. And then at that time, he takes Satan, the devil, and he bounds him for a thousand years. And during that thousand years, Christ rules here on earth. At the end of this thousand year reign of Christ here on earth, Satan will be released for a short time. This is what the Bible says. And he goes out into the earth and he does what he has always done. He begins to deceive. He deceives many in the world into doing what? Going against God's people. He hates God's people. He always has. He's always plotted to destroy God's people. Because he can't destroy God, so he comes at the thing that God loves the most, God's people. So when he's released from being bound for a thousand years, he goes into the world. He deceives many, gets them to come against believers in Christ. And he does this because the believers in Christ are gathered together in Jerusalem And then suddenly, as the devil has formed some kind of human army to come against God's people, suddenly, before the devil and his people can do anything, God sends fire down from heaven to destroy the enemies who come against his people. Let me read that for you. Revelation chapter 20, starting at verse 7. And when the thousand years are finished, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth Gog and Magog to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints. You see what they did? Satan, who has deceived all these people in the earth, they come together for war, and they come against the camp of the saints, of believers, of God's people, and the beloved city, that's Jerusalem. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then what happens? What happens after that? Satan is done. After this, the next thing that the Bible says will happen is what's called the Great White Throne Judgment. It's Judgment Day, and that is where Christ will sit on his throne, and every unbeliever who has ever lived will stand before him to be judged for their life. The books will be open that have recorded everything about the lives of non believers. Every word, every deed, every thought, every motive, every secret, it's all coming out on judgment day for every non-believer. Believers in Christ do not face judgment day because all of our sins have already been judged. Jesus Christ, God's son, took our judgment for our sins for us. He paid the price. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That is for all of us who have placed our heart faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All those who haven't, they're facing the great white throne judgment right after the devil is thrown into the lake of fire. It's when this goes down. There's nothing, nothing that will not be uncovered on that day. Every secret comes out. Can you imagine? The books are open. And another book is open called the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the book that contains all of the names of every true believer in Christ. And if your name is not in that book, then it's too late. It's too late. The King of kings and the Lord of lords will judge you and he will sentence you to eternal torment in the lake of fire with Satan and his demons, with the Antichrist, with the false prophet. God doesn't want you to be there. I heard an old preacher say one time, God doesn't send anyone to hell. You send yourself because he's made the way of escape. He's made the way of escape. It's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You need to turn away from your old life and you need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ or you're going to face the great white throne judgment. After the great white throne judgment, the Bible says that the present heaven and the present earth that we're living in right now, it'll be destroyed by fire. And then all the saints of the ages, Old Testament and the church age and those who were saved during the tribulation, all of God's people, will enter into a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem where we will serve the Lord forever. Life will be the way it should be, the way we've always longed for it to be, the way we still long for it to be. No more curse, no more temptation, no more sin. No more sickness, no more death, no more mourning, crying, pain. It's all done. It's over. Life will forever be the way God intended it to be for us perfect harmony, perfect joy, perfect peace, perfect health. freedom, love, fullness, wholeness, forever. I was on a bike ride with my wife last night. We like to do that a lot of times when she gets done work and I get done and we eat dinner and the sun is going down. We get on our old pe- old people cruiser bikes and just ride around the neighborhood. And I was talking to her about all this. And I said, I've been looking at end time prophecy and the biblical timeline. I said, you remember that? She's like, yeah, because my wife grew up in the church and she grew up going to a Christian school. We went to the same Christian high school together, went to the same Christian university together. She's like, yeah. And I started going through it. I was like, you know, the rapture happens. And then right after that, um the seven-year tribulation period, and there's this ushering in of this one world leader, one world government, one world religion, one world currency, and I was just going through everything. The Antichrist is going to, you know, I believe it's going to be a false death and resurrection, and then there's going to be the battle of Armageddon. I'm going through all of it, and as we're riding, my wife just said, uh, we believe some crazy stuff, I said, what do you mean? And she goes, think about everything that you're saying that is going to happen. That is some crazy stuff. When people hear that, they'll, they'll they'll think we're crazy, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, I know, but I look at some of them and I'm like, they believe some of the craziest stuff about things like aliens, What they believe is crazy to me. What they believe about even the origin of the universe is crazy to me. But my wife says, yeah. We believe some crazy stuff. People will think this is nuts. But she said this. But I believe it. Because Jesus said it. But I believe it. Because Jesus said it. Let that sink in. I just looked at her and I was like, me too. Because there is no greater authority than the word of Jesus Christ. Because when he speaks, he speaks as God, as creator, as the sovereign, great ruler, the great I am, Yahweh. And he has proven that everything he says comes true thus far. So everything that he has said is going to happen that hasn't happened yet. I believe it because, again, like I said earlier, he has a perfect track record. God keeps his word. And Jesus is the resurrected one. He's the only one that has truly overcome defeated death never to die again. I believe it because Jesus said it. We believe some crazy stuff. Okay, yeah. That's what you want to call it. Yeah, it does sound kind of crazy. But I believe it because Jesus said it. As I said at the beginning of this episode, there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. With various power players around the world. I believe what we saw with COVID, lockdowns, shutdowns, people in fear, the control that the government had and the things that they forced upon people and kept people from. And when people didn't comply, they began to shut things down. even when i saw the uh, the truckers in canada that were protesting and the government came in and shut their bank accounts down so that while they are peacefully protesting their family couldn't have access to the money that they need in their bank accounts to pay for groceries or to pay the rent to keep the lights on heat it's freaking Canada, people. People are like, what is going on? This is scary. And I'm like, you know, I look at this. I see all of this. This is all just like a test run. I was like, this is nothing. This is nothing compared to what's coming. Some crazy stuff is going on behind the scenes. And we know who's ultimately behind it, working a master plan. And the most important thing that you can do and that I can do is wake up. Wake up to what's really going on. See beyond the matrix. Made me think of Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Let me wrap up with that. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 14. And do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Let me just stop right there and explain this for a minute. He's saying it's time to wake up from your sleep. It's time to wake up, get out of the matrix see beyond the matrix see what's really going on in the world and what is being set up what is being ushered in wake up because he says listen our salvation is nearer to us than we believed what do you mean i thought we already had salvation paul you just went over justification you know earlier in the book of romans now he's talking about the aspect of our salvation called glorification that aspect where we're gone, we're with God, and he has transformed our mortal body into immortal bodies. That aspect of salvation, he's saying, is nearer to us. It's close. It's coming. The hour for you to awaken from sleep has come. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. I see six verbs in this passage. The first one is wake up. Verbs are actions that we're supposed to take. Wake up. See what's really going on. See beyond the matrix. Number two, verb. He says, lay aside. Lay aside the deeds of darkness. He's talking about the sin in your Christian life. Lay it aside. Separation. Get away from it and get it away from you. Number three verb, put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of light. That's replacement. And that goes with the number four verb. Live properly, walk properly. That's what it means. You're going to put on the armor of light, begin to live properly properly. Live the way God has called you to live. Obey Him. Follow the will of God. There's a separation that needs to take place. Separate yourself from sin. And then there's replacement that needs to take place. Instead of sinning, do something better. Follow God. Repentance. Turn from that and turn to this. Number five verb I see. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It means put on his character. Put on Christ-like character. What is Christ-like character? Look at the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. He says, lay aside, put on the armor of light, walk properly, and then put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Twice he's saying put on. Put on the armor of light and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The same thing. Put on Christ-likeness. Live like Christ. Take on his character. What Jesus would do, you do. Live honest, live true, love God, love people. Holiness, righteousness, integrity, compassion, helping the poor, sharing the gospel, helping believers in Christ comforting them bearing their burdens with them put on the Lord Jesus Christ and then the last verb he says make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust what he's saying there is don't just separate from sin he's saying prevent sin don't just separate don't just replace prevent it from happening again don't give yourself the opportunity to go back to your old sin Eliminate the triggers. Get them out of your life. Delete, unsubscribe, cancel, break up with whoever you need to break up with. Get it out of your house. Take it to the dump, whatever. Make no provision for the flesh. Don't go to that place anymore because it's too much for you. You know who does all of these things? The Christian who has awakened, who has woke up. I don't want to be woke, but I want to be awake. You know what I'm saying? So many people today with their woke ideologies. I don't want to be woke. I want to be awake to what's really. Going on to the truth, even when the truth is extremely unsettling and uncomfortable, even when the truth is a bit scary. But remember, those of us who are in Christ, we're not going to be here for the seven year tribulation. We're not going to be at the great white throne judgment. Maybe we witness it, but we're not going to be there being judged. That's why it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, after Paul talks about the reality of the rapture that's going to take place, he says, comfort one another with these words. This is good news that Christ is going to come and take you from this world. You know, when I was a kid, the first time I really began to hear about the rapture and the end times and the tribulation and the battle of Armageddon and the rise of Antichrist and one world government, one World religion and the Mark of the Beast was, uh, our church was uh, doing a series on prophecy. I was a little man. I was probably still elementary school. And I remember they showed a an old movie from the 70s or 80s. And it's kind of cheesy now. They didn't have good special effects back then. No CGI back then. And it was called A Thief in the Night. But even though it was cheesy, it's cheesy now to look at, it had a powerful effect on me. Because our pastor, after we watched that, he would show from scripture that like, yo, I don't know if it's going to happen exactly like that movie is saying, but it's going to happen. Here's where scripture says it's going to happen. And I was a little kid tuning into that going, oh, my goodness. You know what was happening? It was like one of the first times in my life that I saw Beyond the Matrix. It was one of the first times in my life as a little kid, elementary school that I was awakened to what's really going on, what's really going to go down. And I was like, whoa, I better take this salvation thing seriously. I better take this Jesus thing seriously. This is no joke. And there was something about it where like, beyond the movie, A Thief in the Night, and beyond the preacher, in my heart, there was something in me that was like, this is true. And you know, it's true because it's the word of God. It's scripture. And the spirit of God was affirming that in me. And in that movie, um, a thief in the night, there was a, a song that became a pretty famous song. It was called wish we'd all been ready. Wish we'd all been ready. It was written by a guy named Larry Norman. He's not alive anymore, but, uh, DC Talk, one of my favorite Christian artists, uh, they redid that song many years ago, probably over 20 years ago now, and it's so good. And I want to close out this episode with that song, Wish We'd All Been Ready, and this is the DC Talk version. I'm going to play the whole song. Hopefully, they won't sue me for uh, playing the whole song. Let me read the lyrics to you. Life was filled with guns and war. It's talking about when Christ comes in the tribulation period. This is what it's going to be like. It says, Life was filled with guns and war, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died. The days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise, turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. And then the third verse kind of repeats some of the truths from the other verses. Life was filled with guns and war. Everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died. The days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. How could you have been so blind? The father spoke. The demons dined. The sun has come and you've been left behind. My brothers, wake up. The night is almost done. The day is at hand. We are on the precipice of the rapture of God's church. It's all there, everything is falling into motion. Was filled with guns and war, and all of us got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all, all been, been ready. ready. The children died, the days grew cold, a piece of bread. Goodbye, oh, the sun has come and you've been left behind a man and wife asleep in bed she hears a noise and turns her head he's gone One disappears and one's left standing. spoke, the demons dying How could you have been so blind? There's no time to change your mind The sun has come and you've been left behind no. There's no time to change your mind The sun has come back Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, leading to righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, leading to salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes upon him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher?